Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Talk Recorded live. Hi, my name is Rachel Solomon, and this is Rachel Speaks. Thank you all for joining me today. I am super excited about this topic, and I am super excited about my guests. Today, we're going to be talking about finances and relationships. When should you have those serious talks uh, to your significant other? When are those conversations important? And um, what kind of things should you actually be talking about? So I'm super excited about this because I am not single, but I'm not in a serious relationship where we're talking money yet. So I'm hoping that I'm going to learn something from Miss Jennifer. I'm so excited. So I have to tell you guys a little bit about this lady. Me and her actually met in person at a conference a couple of years ago. Um, I attended a sponsorship conference. I think it was that one. Or maybe it was a book conference. Either way, I met her in person, and our spirits just connected. And now here it is, like, two years later, and we actually still communicate. Not as often as I would like, but definitely um, we do still talk. And, and I just would like to say thank you, Miss Jennifer Fontanella. I think I said it right. Yeah, you said it perfectly. Yeah, it's exciting to be here with you. So I just want to say thank you, thank you. It's um, it's always a privilege and an honor to connect with other people in you know in our world, in the finance world. And um, I know you, I was inspired by you because I have a, a young son myself. And so when I found out that you write children's books about money, I was just like, oh my gosh. This is exciting, you know, so I love seeing what you're doing in this world and how you're showing up as well. Oh, wow. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Welcome. Yes. I'm glad to be here. So can you tell us a little bit about yourself? You know, you said financial world. So can you give me a little bit about your background so people listening can know who they're listening to? Sure. Absolutely. So I've been in the the financial industry for over a decade. And in the beginning, um, I started off as a financial advisor. So I know what it's like to be on that side of things. You know, I had the licenses and, um, you know, talked for investments and insurance. So I'm, I've seen that part of it where, you know, I have that client interaction and talking about retirement, insurance, budgeting, savings from the um, license perspective. But um, so I did that for a while and then um, – kind of moved into the wealth management side, but then what I found that I really love to do is, is speak and um, just partner with people and, you know, host workshops um, and then also writing books. So um, I've trans- kind of transitioned. I'm kind of in a place, too, where I'm seeing if I want to balance both, but definitely love the speaking um, side of it where I can interact um, with more people and just reach more people, especially because we have um, social media and we have we're, we're able to connect with people all around the world and you know across the country I mean like even you and I are in t- two different states 
and because of the you know because of the people that we are connected to um we're able we're able to help each other and piggyback off each other's ideas and help one another so um just love um helping other people you know understand the the financial concepts and uh, you know just because I think and you probably can agree you know a lot of times we see all this information and it's so confusing to people. And they right. don't know where to start. And then it's like, can you even imagine trying to Google something? It's like, you don't even know where What's to start, right? right? It's just so much <laughs> right. information. It's overload. And then I think, you know, very naturally we all get analysis paralysis. And so, you know, I just love um, I love the education aspect of it and reaching people that way. And um, it's, just, it's just great to see the impact that you can have on people where they're inspired. And, and you know, just um, one of the things that I love to do, you know, make that, help people have that breakthrough where, oh, okay, I feel a sigh of relief. This isn't so scary anymore. This is something I can actually talk about or feel better that I'm more comfortable with the topic of money and how it works and, the, you know, what are the first steps that I need to do. Oh, God, I love it. I love it. I love it. So, we are not just in two different states. We are literally on the opposite side of the country. Yes, <laughs> I know. I'm on the East Coast and she's on the West Coast, but with technology and with the telephone, it doesn't matter. <laughs> exactly. I love what you were saying because there is so much information out there. I find often that it's hard to decide, you know, where to start. So I think people being able to see people or talk to people in smaller groups and give them, you know, pointers and start points and, you know, ideas and things and concepts, then they can see what relates to them and then it helps them guide guide them better on, you know, their research on what they want to look up. So even people like listening to this today, you know, they're like, obviously if they're clicked on this one, then they're interested in relationship topics and they're interested in, you know, how do I handle money with spouses or future spouses? or in current relationships. So uh, my first question for you is, is it too early? When is too early to talk about money, or is there such a thing as too early to talk about money if you're just in a maybe dating situation, not necessarily married or engaged? Great when question. <laughs> yeah, you, know, you definitely don't want to spring it on, you know, like first date. That's definitely not a first date topic you want to talk about. It'll probably be your last date. <laughs> so, I, think it's, I think it's important to assess, um, you know, the level where you're at, you know. So the level of, of where you're at in the relationship is obviously going to dictate the level of the money talk. So if you, you know, obviously if you just met this person, it's, that's just way too early. Because you don't even know yet if this is somebody you want to be, you want to go on a second, third date with. So definitely not then. But, you know, and it's going to be different mm-hmm. for everybody. But I would say, you know, around by the six months, if you re- make it that far, I think most people can assess that, you know what, this is somebody I want to be serious with. Or this is somebody that I can, you know, see myself having a future with possibly, obviously we don't know sometimes how it's going to turn out. And so, you know, it's just the level of, uh, you know, how, how comfortable you are. Um, you know, I'm currently in a, in a serious one and um, it's very early, but I kind of already know where we're going. And so we've actually had uh, the money talk already. So I mean, okay. I already, we, re- we already know FICO scores, <laughs> but then again, we're both nerdy. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> so it worked out. Now not everybody's there. So, you know, it, it really, it really depends on your level of comfort 
and the level at which the relationship's at. And, and you know, everybody's going to go at different paces. And so um, that's what you have to assess. It's like, you, you know, you – and there's ways to go into that conversation because I think that's kind of like, ooh, okay, well, I'm – you know, I feel like we're serious. And then now it's like the next step is like, okay, well, now how do I bring it up, right? Right. And that has been my – some of my problem is like I teach – financial literacy dang near for a living. So I'm like, <laughs> do I really want to be poking all around my future spouse's income? But, <laughs> but how, do I, how do I bring that up? Like, how do you even start the conversation? I'm really aggressive. So I'm afraid that I'm just going to come off really wrong. <laughs> it's just wrong. Yeah, I, I know. I can be like that too because I think – What's interesting, because you and I are in the space where this is our world. So for us, it's right. very natural. For I'll give you another example. Like I, um, I transact insurance, so mm-hmm. life insurance to be specific. So you know, talking about death is very natural for me. I'm not scared mm-hmm. of it, but I have to be very sensitive to people's uh, emotions about that, or even you know some cultural uh, differences or some cultures that just do not want to talk about it and they want to avoid it like the plague. And so I have to be sensitive to like, okay, let's, 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 I know I'm, you know, this is what I do, but let me back it up because I know this is not a comfortable topic. So with, with the money thing in a relationship, you know, when you kind of feel that you're in that place where like, okay, this is serious, you know, um, I, I, I want to take the next step in, in, you know, talking, bringing this subject up, but how do we do that? And so, you know, one of the things you can do is just ask simply, you know, you, you, know, you, you go to your, your significant other and say, you know, I, I know this isn't the most fun and exciting thing to talk about, but it would be, it would make me comfortable if we could go over our finances together since things are getting more serious. And, you know, it's not that I'm worried, but I just think it would be more helpful if we know where we're starting from or if we're on the same page and, and we can work towards, you know, the same kind of common goals. And I, I want you to feel comfortable asking me anything about my money and where I'm at, and I, I want this to be an open book because I can see how it can complicate things in a relationship, and I just want us to be prepared. And, you know, so, you know, what do you think about that? And it could just be as simple as just kind of – you have to kind of feel it out and see where that mm-hmm. person's at, and you're going to be able to see that. I mean, if you've been dating this person, you know, you're going to know by their reaction whether they're, they're open to it. Um, you're going to be able to gauge, if, you know what, maybe not right now. Maybe if some, they might even tell you, you know, you know and you're going to have to, you're, you're going to have to kind of take their reaction and see where they're at. And maybe you bring it up later on, or maybe you just kind of start with very, very basic questions, you know? So that's kind of like the icebreaker, just letting them know like, Hey, this is how I, this is where I think we're kind of going. I'm serious about this. And so money is something that I think is very important for us if we want to continue, you know, growing and um, because, and, and I'm sure you've seen it, like if this isn't talked about in the beginning, it can mm-hmm. turn into a disaster. And I can tell you stories about even in my own personal uh, experience where you find out things at the wrong time. And it's not, mm-hmm. and they're never, and they're never the best times when you find out like FICO score or, um, you know, debt or credit history, just things like that. You're just like, oh my gosh, just, we're, we're, we're trying to buy a house and now I'm finding this out. <laughs> yeah, things like that. That's not the time you want to find out. So, but definitely just by cutting, you know, just breaking the ice, just say like, hey, you know what, I, I was thinking, um, you know, I wanted to have this conversation because I, you know. I feel like things are getting serious, and I, I would feel comfortable if we just started talking about it. Right. 
Do you think that there is a, if you get a negative response, because I have found not just in relationships, but in talking with strangers, sometimes they withdraw before they release. Do you think that there's an appropriate waiting time to, like, come back to the conversation? Does that make sense? Like, sometimes I find that people will answer my questions partially, but Mm -hmm. not to to the extent that I need in order to do the work that they want me to do, if that makes sense. Yes, I know what you mean. Yes. I think it's one of those things you have to gauge because the crazy thing about money it's especially, you know, Americans, we, we are taught not to talk about it, but we'll talk about religion and politics over money. And it's one of those taboo subjects. And again, I have to be sensitive to it because I'm very like, I'll talk about it. It's very easy for me, even in my relationships. Mm -hmm. And it's just like, wait a minute, not everybody's there. Not everybody's that open book. And so, especially when there's shame and guilt behind it and some of the, you know, people, feel really bad about past mistakes and um, they're, they're putting so much pressure on themselves. And so when you, when you find yourself running into that where the person seems very apprehensive and they, you can tell there's some kind of block, um, we have to also, you know, be sensitive to, okay, they're not ready. And maybe, maybe we try to back up the question. So I'll, I'll give you an example. Instead of, like, saying, like, hey, so what's your FICO score? Or, you know, like, <laughs> you know like, what kind of de- – how much debt do you have? You know, you might want to back. <laughs> you might want to back it up and, you know, chunk up. You know, you got to level up and just say, you know, you know. So, do you ever get like a, for example, you, do you ever get a credit card when you were in college? You know, so you see how it's not so specific yet, but at least right. you're 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 going in towards that direction. And so you, maybe you can even laugh about it. I know this is totally dating myself, um, but when I was in college, they used to before the 2009 uh, the Fair Credit Act. Um, they they used to allow credit card companies to go on campus. Oh and yeah. So, do you remember that? Okay. Yeah. Okay, I, got so, my, I guess I'm dating yes. me too. <laughs> yes. So you remember how sure. you, I don't? Do you remember like you would talk about your friends? Maybe like, oh yeah, I got another T-shirt, or I got a football, yeah. or I got a water bottle, right? Yeah. And so, yeah. I know it's like probably yeah. taking you back, and so. You know, those are funny things you can talk about. And, and well, it's it's funny, but then it's not so funny if it's caused like you know credit dings. But you know, you can talk about things like that where you know. So, did you ever get those you know those free T-shirts at school? And at least it starts opening up the conversation about like, okay, you know that this person got a credit card. Okay, you know that this person has that experience and has some kind of credit history. So you start really, really high and. You know, even questions like that, you're not going so specific right from the jump. And then you kind of have to build it up, you know, and build it up. And so it's, you know, just like with dating, and and this is exactly the topic we're talking about, it's not, you're not going to go right from the jump, like, hey, so do you want to have kids? You know, it's like, you want to kind of see where that person is. And you, you, you know, it's like, it's like with money, it's like the first date, you have to take baby steps. And so if you find that that person is not, opening up there's something there and you might discover later on like they might have made some very very bad mistakes there's like some guilt involved or you know it messed up a lot of things and you know obviously there's some wounds there or some past hurts that they probably are still maybe ashamed of I think I find that a lot often too where people feel very very ashamed of mistakes and they feel so behind and then they start to compare themselves to the other so it's it's really about, you know, and if you're in a serious relationship at this point, um, it's, it's, it's meeting them halfway and, and also just being very understanding and sensitive to, okay, there's something there. They're not ready yet. But you kind of just have to break that ice 
and ask higher level questions and then, you know, you can revisit it later. So you have to kind of gauge again where, you know, not to the point where you, you feel like, okay, I feel there's a pushback. Let me, let me ease up. And you'll, you'll have to just revisit it later. So if you feel like they're about to, um, like if you're serious, if you're months out from your wedding date, let's say that, and um, you need to know everything by then, right? You need to know everything. I, I would think so. Yeah, I for me, I would definitely feel that even even that point, it's pretty, it's pretty late because if you've already if you're already planning the wedding, then you've already you know a wedding is a very very big expense. So at that point, the budgeting should have been already discussed. I mean, I'm not saying that it's impossible, but when you're planning a wedding, you're dealing with all those costs and the thousands and thousands of dollars. It's a huge investment. And with the way weddings are going, I mean, it's crazy because every time I see stuff like about weddings, it's like it's, sometimes it seems like a how do I one-up the other person? It, it's just kind of ridiculous nowadays with the way people spend money on weddings and with all these TV shows. But by then, there's a lot of things involved because not only is there the wedding, the venue, the, the, all the vendors and everything, and the cost involved, but how are you paying for it? How did you save for it? Um, and then even when the wedding's all said and done, what about the life that comes, the, the real life that comes after it? You know, how, how, the budgeting about, you know, the, whether it's the rent or the mortgage, um, savings and retirement. So um, definitely this conversation ideally would want to take place even before the whole proposal comes. But I get it. Sometimes it doesn't happen that way. But if you are at that place where it's months before, like definitely this conversation should be, um, should be had. Okay, so for listeners, what all should be included? Once we get past the I'm nervous to talk about it type thing, once we've eased into it, what topics or what are some checklist things? What are some things you should definitely talk about before you, like you said, before you even get to the um, engagement stage? What are some Perfect. Things? Yeah, so some of the things that I definitely think need to be discussed are um, money philosophies. So what does that what that means is like you know how does the person view money, you know are they obsessed with saving or are they opposed to saving? Are they totally against budgeting? Do they like, you know what I just get the paycheck and I just buy whatever I need and I figure it out. So those are kind of like money, examples of money philosophies that you want to know about. Sometimes too when you when you dig deeper, and again this comes along with the you know, the questions and the things that you have in, in, you know, conversation, you know, sometimes, a lot of times I have conversation about, okay, so, you know, how did your parents, how did your parents view money? Did, did, were they savers? Were they spenders? Because a lot of times what ends up happening is you inherit the habits of your parents because those are the things that they, you know, imparted on you. So if you, for example, for me, my, my parents are uh, incredible savers and investors. And so for me, it was very easy to adopt that because that's what I saw. I didn't see them spend, you know, they, they were not. I'm sorry? I said I'm jealous. I had the oh. opposite. <laughs> yeah, I, got, I was very, I was very blessed. And so um, I see, I saw them take care of everything. And um, interestingly enough, I was very proud because I actually did my mom's rollover when she retired. And I was just like, wow, like this is so awesome because Unfortunately, I, you know, I had friends and I have helped some friends, parents where they were not so fortunate and, um, you know, it, because it's like this generational thing. So if, you know, our parents don't take care of stuff, you know, guess who takes has, has to help later on? Us. 
And so that's something that, you know, that, that has to be, you know, thought of if that's the situation because um, sometimes some, some, some of our parents didn't save enough themselves, so they're in their own predicament. And it, it can affect us because they might need our help as, as the children. But you want to you know what the philosophies are and, because it also helps you understand where your significant other is coming from. You might see, like, wow, you know, he's a spender. Well, then you might find out that their parents were very poor wherever they grew up. And so now that they came upon money, they feel like, you know what, I didn't have a chance to buy myself stuff when I was growing up. I was so poor. So now that I have money, I feel like I need to reward myself every time I get a paycheck and I want to buy something for myself. So it's like those kinds of things that you'll discover, oh, this is where that came from. Because the more that you can understand where somebody's coming from and their background and history and even what their parents' philosophies were, it helps you understand, oh, this is why my, my, my boyfriend thinks this way or this is where it came from because his parents were spenders. Or it could be the opposite. Because he saw so many problems that happened, he doesn't want to be anything like that. And then you understand, oh, this is why he's a hoarder. He doesn't want to spend any money because he saw so many problems that his parents went through. So as you see, it could go either way, but the more that you can understand what the money philosophies are of your, of your um, significant other, then it helps you understand how to approach it because it's, it's just better understanding and knowing what, what kind of questions to ask. So money philosophy is one. Spending habits kind of goes along with that too. You know, is, is, there, is your significant other a spender? And then, um, that, and then you can get more specific, you know, the budgeting, and then the income, because at some point, you're going to have to eventually make your way towards the hard numbers. You know, it can't be like, yeah, I save. Okay, we know that. But later on, the conversation eventually does need to get down to, okay, what is that specific number? Because if, when, you, when you're planning, like, for example, when, um, when I was a financial advisor and I'm sitting there with the couple, a lot of times what I would find is, like, one person wouldn't even really know, and that was always kind of unnerving for me because I'm like, oh, you, you know, you're married. You should know what your spouse makes because mm-hmm. how, can you, how can you plan the retirement or what you're saving for if you don't even know what, you know, you don't know what your, the numbers you're, you're working with, kind of like, right. you know, cooking or baking. You know, you can't just, like, well, just dump some flour and some sugar. It's like, no, I need to know if it's three cups of this, a quarter cup of this. And that way you know what you're working towards. You have to eventually make it to these detailed numbers in order to properly plan. So those are some of the things. And then eventually you also want to cover long-term goals, such as, like, do we want to buy a house? Do we want to start a family? Um, You know, even if there's maybe even situations where, you know, I have a son. And um, he has has an older son. But there, there are two different stages in life, but, you know, they're still our kids. And so right. we want to see, like, okay, well, how does this work? Do we pay for college? Do, how do we save for that? Or, you know, and then, you know, it, it can get a little, you know, complicated once it's a blended family. But still, there's children that are involved. You still need to know where that money is going to come from and how, how do you pull the finances together. So you want to know, okay, so what are we working with here? You want to pull all the details together. Um, you know, the other things that you need to talk about, too, you, you know, does somebody plan on going back to school? Does somebody plan on changing careers? Because those, those types of things are, you know, life-changing. So, obviously, they are going to affect the finances. Other right. things, as, um, right? So, the other ones that are very, very important, too, I think these are almost like the most immediate <laughs> important ones are, is there debt involved? Because if you mm-hmm. get married, then that's something, you know, oh, are you bringing debt into this relationship, like $30,000 or, you know, 
$90,000 of uh, school loans because that's obviously something that's, that's, a, that's a huge thing that you, you, you need to be aware of is if there's debt coming into this relationship. And then mm-hmm. you also, um, you want to eventually know what the, what the credit history is, um, especially like the FICO score, because if you are planning on, you know, buying a house, if you, um, anything, you know, big ticket purchases, especially like a house, I'll give you an example. Um, my, I, I was married before and mm-hmm. I had, I had, I had applied to, you know, you know, I was like, okay, I'm going to go buy a house and we're going to, you know, we were serious at this time. So we're like, let's go, go, you know, go, go get a house. And I find out right at the application process that he had horrible credit. And oh, wow. I was like, this is not the time to be finding this out. So I'm, tell- I'm speaking from experience from my own mistakes that, you know, <laughs> so eventually I find out that, you know, I had to, I had to qualify for stuff on my own from that point. But mm-hmm. You know, it's not so much, it's not, it may not necessarily be a deal breaker or like, oh, well, you know, you have like a horrible FICO, I'm breaking up with you. But it's good to know, you need to know what you're working with. And that way you can work, you know, decide whether, you know, how are we going to work together on this? How do we improve this? You know, how, how can I help you or how can we help your situation? But, but you need to be aware of it because it's, it's one of those obstacles that you got to figure out how you're going to get through it together. And so, you don't want to find those types of things out, you know, when like at the in the right in the midst of the application process, you're trying to qualify and you find out like, oh wait, what is this thing in your 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 credit history with the delinquency? You know, it's like that's not the time to be doing it. And so, those are kind of some of the things that you definitely want to discuss, you know, before, as you can see, before getting married, even before planning the wedding, because if you're dealing with, for example. Like I gave you the school loan example. If you got like ninety thousand dollars worth of school loans or thirty thousand worth of you know consumer credit card debt, you know you you really got to assess like you know how much are we going to spend on this wedding? We got to right. we got to be realistic here. We can't be having a fifty thousand dollar wedding. And so, right. and I think that's what happens sometimes. Like we we want you you know people have this dream and that's fine and all, but then maybe you can't be having that two years from now. Maybe you got to push it out a little bit or you got to you have to save or you got to figure out ways to, to make that work or because we can't just be, you know, spending money here and there when we know that the reality is there's this debt that needs that we need to tackle first or, you know, figure out how we're going to do this or maybe we don't have such a, a big wedding and be a little more simple and more, um, you know, budget conscious. So those are types of things that you can see that when you don't have that information, it, it can affect um, all parts of this plan, this, this entire financial plan. So, how would you? Um, this is our last question because we're running out of time. But this is a, a very interesting topic to me because I'm actually in this boat right now, trying to figure this mm-hmm. process out. So, what do you think of all the things that you've covered and haven't gotten to cover? What's like the one important takeaway from the from people listening today? What should they do first? What's that one takeaway? I would say if you are in a relationship where you feel this is somebody that you want to be serious with or you feel it's already going in that direction or maybe you're already in that situation, you're already there, and you haven't had this conversation, definitely consider how you can break the ice and and bring it up Um, and, and get, you know, depending, again, like I said in the beginning, the level of comfort where the relationship is, um, write that checklist, the things that we, we talked about um, just a few seconds ago, write that down. And so like, you know, 
I know that we're, you know, we've been together for a few years or a few months and it's, you know, I'm really serious about this. Um, but there's some things that I would love to talk about because, you know, unfortunately, you know, a few years ago they did a, they did a survey and it's um, more than 40% of couples don't even discuss how they manage their money together before getting married. And the other interesting statistic is that the, uh, the money thing is the number one cause for divorce. So it's, it's, it's right. serious. It's serious. Right. Um, I mean, even my own situation had to do with money when I got divorced. And right. it's like you don't, you don't plan to fail. You don't want to fail. It's like, you know, that's a whole different issue with, you know, getting divorced and stuff. But this topic is so – I'm trying – I think the biggest takeaway is that understand this is so serious. The money thing is so serious. And you have, if you haven't had this conversation with your partner, your significant other, um, definitely I encourage you to, to have it be open, be sensitive, be honest, but but definitely come in with a level of understanding that, you know, this is not going to be easy. It it could be very very uncomfortable. But 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 know that it's possible and that it's that important that it needs to be done. If you really care about each other, if you really love each other, this is this is one of those things like it's good. We need to have this because we want to make it. We want this to be a successful relationship. This is definitely the first step that needs to be done. Wow. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, Miss Jennifer. Um, so if my if someone listening wants to contact you, if they're on the um, on the West Coast and they're interested in finding out more about having you speak or uh, want to find out more about your bo- your book, future books. So how do they get in touch with you? How do they find you? How yeah, they- definitely. Um, you can you can visit my site at. Uh, JenFontanilla.com, so it's J-E-N-F-O-N-T-A-N-I-L-L-A.com. And then I'm also on Instagram at Jen.Fontanilla. So, yeah, you can reach me there. Wow, thank you. Thank you, thank you so much. Thank you so much. You're welcome. (laughs) And for my listeners, you guys can always text Aura Speaks at 31996. That's Aura, the letter Aura for me, Rachel. Speaks because I speak. <laughs> what it <is>? at? <laughs> at three one nine nine six. Thank you all and have a great day. Okay, that's the end of that episode. <laughs> Yay! I love that topic. I think it's you, such, it's yeah. such a great topic. Wow. Yeah, that was uh, that was really great. I um I kind of want to hurry up and bang into this next one real quick if you don't mind because um, sure no I think we're running out of time as far as how long the call is supposed to last an hour so we're at like yeah no worries (laughs) all right so I'm just gonna go ahead and get started sure hello and welcome to Rachel speaks I am your host Rachel Solomon. And if you are listening for financial literacy or business, you are in the right place. I am super excited about today's topic. We are talking about finance and religion, something people don't really talk about. It's kind of a taboo topic. So I am excited to have my guest today, Jennifer Fontanella. She is going to be talking to us a little bit, and uh, she's a phenomenal speaker, and I just can't wait to hear from her. Good morning, Jennifer. How are you today? 
Good morning, Rachel. I'm doing great. I'm, I'm so happy to be here. So thank you for having me. Of course, of course. So I would like to start off by letting people know who they are listening to. So can you give us um, a little bit about your history and how you ended up in the financial world? Sure, definitely. So when I first started, it was over a decade ago, I started as a financial advisor. So I transacted insurance and retirement plans and investments and things like that. So I have experience from the license side and eventually um, moved my way over to the um, speaking side, which I love doing workshops and conferences and um, seminars and things like that. And just love um, being able to talk about this topic. Um, money is always something that I found fascinating because it's difficult for people and it's very uncomfortable sometimes and there's so much information out there. I think people want to learn about it. And so I want to be part of that movement along with you where, you know, you're also in the financial literacy world where it's, it's incredible this gift that we have to be able to share this information and help impact people's lives so that they can make better financial choices. And so um, that's what I do. And I um, enjoy speaking about money and um, being a guest at um, conferences, especially churches and also um, just, um, you know, be involved with workshops and things like that. Great, great, great. So let's just jump right into the topic today, which is um, finance and faith and finance and church. So can you just give us a little bit about the, how do you even approach this conversation when it comes to that? Like, because I find that it, it can be a taboo issue, like, when I talk to people who are non-believers, or they might believe, they just might not believe as much as me, they always ask me questions. So almost one of the first questions they ask is about money. And I'm like, what does that have to do with my spirituality? But <laughs> maybe you can talk about it a little more. And, you know, yeah, definitely. <laughs> so I'll, I'll start with this. One of the most fascinating things that I found out when it comes to faith and finances is when you look at the Bible and you mm -hmm. think about all the teachings in that really, really big book of scripture, you have topics such as love, you have topics such as forgiveness, but the number one thing that God talks about after love is ironically money. There's over mm -hmm. 2,300 scriptures on money. And so if it's like the second biggest topic talked about <laughs> after love, I think God is trying to tell us something. <laughs> and so he, he realizes that we don't have a handle on it. And I just think it's, 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 it's interesting that there's so much information in terms of how he wants us to handle it. And, 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 and unfortunately, we have two opposing forces. We have God's way, and then we have the world's pattern, the world's way. And um, I have this illustration that I've used in the different, um, uh, different conferences where they are completely opposite. They're spinning the opposite way. Um, right. So it's, um, it's definitely an important topic, um, and it has a lot to do with the spirituality because the way that you handle your money shows God how responsible you responsible that you can be and are with the things that he's entrusted you to be. And so the word stewardship comes up. It's how you are being a, a good steward is how you take care of the things that have been entrusted to you. And in, in this situation, we're talking about how do you handle the money that that's been given to you. Right. Okay. So let's take that um, word stewardship. 
um, a little further for people who don't necessarily know what that means because I've read it in the Bible and I have a pretty good understanding of what it means. But what does it really mean? Can you break it down a little bit so people can understand what good stewardship looks like? Sure. So this, the, basically the, the definition I'll give it to you, I just looked it up. It's the job of supervising or taking care of something such as an organization or property. So in this situation, we're talking about money or finances. And so a lot of times, you know, people think about like, well, I want this or why can't I have this? And so when we, when we think about uh, our spirituality and and God and faith and how does this, you know, how does this even relate to each other? Like what, what has this got to do with anything? Well, um, you know, as a believer, you, you, you understand that God gives us what he knows that we can handle. And so, and then if we want more, so sometimes we want this job, we want this promotion or we want this raise or we, we want, we, we live in an apartment. Now we want a house, but being a good steward is, Meaning that, that what that entails is how are you taking care of the things you have now? You've been entrusted this apartment. You've been entrusted this, this car that you have or, or this job that you have. And how are you showing up? How are you taking care of those things now? Because if you, if you are demonstrating how you are taking care of it now, that, that dictates whether or not you will be blessed with more or not. And so being a stewardess is basically taking care of what you have right now. Wow. Okay, that's, that's awesome. That's awesome. When me and you started talking about what topics you should talk about, what made you feel like faith and finance was a, was a topic that you wanted to talk about? Well, is there something that triggered that thought like, you know what, this needs to be said, people need to learn this, this needs to be heard? Like, what made you want to talk about this topic? Because I feel some passion in there. I don't yes. know if there's a story. I don't know if there's a story I need to hear. I feel like there is. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I um, I grew up Catholic, and it wasn't until about almost ten years ago that um, I I went into Christianity, and it was at that point that I started realizing more. I understood the scriptures more. I just dove into it. And um, I just understood God's word a lot better when I just started um, changing, you know, just understanding it from a different perspective. It's not too different, but it, it is and it's not. And so one of the things that I started realizing um, as I started reading more scripture was like, oh, my goodness, I, did, I never realized there were so many lessons. And, and, you know, obviously we're talking about money. And one thing I didn't learn before was, like I mentioned earlier, God's pattern, God's way versus the world's way. So I'll give you an example. So as a, as a believer, we're, we're taught to, to tithe and, and to give and things like that. And, and, and I understood that before, but not to the extent that I do now. And so God's way talks about, you know, first fruits. And so when we think about the money that we get, let's say for the income from our job, you know, a lot of times what we do is like, okay, what can I buy? Okay, so I'm going to, let's talk about the world's pattern first. So first we acquire, we, we, we get the, the income and then we say like, okay, well, what can I buy? Well, I'm going to go eat out, I'm going to go shopping or whatever. And so we spend first. And then we start to think like, okay, well, now I got to pay my bills. So then the next step is we repay that back. And then what has, what ends up happening? Like, oh, you know what, I really should be saving. Well, okay, I have 20 bucks left over, so now let me save that, if I can even afford to save that amount. 
And then we think like, okay, well, now I got to give back. So I got five bucks. Let me give that back. And then you're like, okay, you know what? Everything's such a mess. I got to figure out what to do. So now I'm going to plan. And so it's so backwards. You know, that's, that's how it typically goes. And so when you contrast that with God's way, like I mentioned earlier, it's a complete opposite. The circle spins the other way. And so God's pattern is teaching us, no, you dedicate first. You know, again, this is going back to stewardship. If we talk about first fruits, and for those who understand that in the Bible, we talk about, you know, our offerings and our, our tithings. Basically, God's saying, you know, there's a portion of it, and in the Bible, it's 10%. That's, that's a whole different topic about do I have to do 10%, 3%, whatever. The, the whole point is you're giving, giving God what was his in the first place. You give that back because that's really an indication. God doesn't need your money. This is not about the church or God needing your money. This is about God seeing where your heart is. Do you have it in your heart to trust him with what he's given to you? Again, being a good steward of your money. So do you dedicate that first, your first fruits? It's not like spend and see what's left over. Oh, I have some change. Let me throw that in the bucket or the basket or the plate. It's about like, no, this is yours first. Let me, let me give this to, what, to, to you, back to you, God. And so you dedicate that first. And then you plan. You're like, okay, so after I give, you know, what's left over, let me, let me plan that out. And then, then you plan the rest of it out with, okay, I'm going to give this. That's the offering. Okay, let me, you want to donate here or there. Okay, I need to save this much for my retirement or for my short term or, you know, whatever it is that I, that I need to have that money allocated towards. And then I need to repay. You want to be responsible with your taxes and your bills. And then the last thing is enjoy. So as you can see right off the jump, it's very opposite. And this is why I'm so passionate about it because the more that I looked at this, I was like, that makes total sense. Whereas the world's pattern is going completely backwards, but, what, but if we trust, as, you know, as faith believers, if we trust that God's way is the right way, we start to see, like, you know what, he has this perfect plan for us. This is why it works, because it's, it's going in the direction that we're not used to. And that's, you know, we, we, you think about some scriptures about, like, you know, you know, do not conform to the patterns of this world. I always think about that when I talk about this, because it's completely backwards where, we're trying to save and plan and give with whatever's left over. And that's, that's so backwards. It should be you, 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 you take care of the, the things that you need to be responsible for, for first and then see what's left over and then be like, okay, now I can go, you know, watch that movie or I can go, you know, on, you know buy some stuff that, um, you know, I want to treat myself to. But a lot of times it's, it's not, it doesn't go that way, and that's why I think a lot of people run into the financial problems that they have. Yeah, honestly, at the end of the day, it seems like God's way requires discipline, a little discipline, requires a little budgeting or planning, and today's society is hurry up and now, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So we want that, gratis- that instant gratification, and I think a lot of, we teach, we're starting to teach our kids that that instant gratification is a need and not a want. And, exactly. And, and I think that gets, you're right, that gets so far away from God's way. That is all, that's all, all the earth's way. That's all flesh way. And I don't know, I don't even know how to begin to teach that. Like, I do it. I tied, you know, I do my, my 10% person or my fruits first. <laughs> like mm-hmm. I don't want to get into numbers because that's going to be a big. I'm going to have all kind of messages that's in my, my episode four or five six. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to have all kind of messages in my inbox. 
<laughs> I, get, I know. You know what I get? I get a lot, though, from people is, why can't I just give my time? Why does it have to be my money? And I always go back to that, um, the scripture about, you know, your treasures are where your heart is. And mm-hmm. that's, that's how I feel. Is, is that kind of how you feel, what you think? Because some people try to tell me that, no, you can just use your time. You don't have to use your money. What do you that think about is- Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up. That's a great point. Um, I get that too. And so my thing is time and money are two different assets, asset classes that we want to kind of categorize it like that. And so I get sometimes that there's people that are like, you know what, Um, I'm barely making ends meet. So I I just, you know, I'm going to just give my time. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I think there's a time and place for that where, yes, go ahead, give your time. But can you start off with 1%? You know, you you said it, you just said it a few seconds ago about discipline. Uh, and, you know, God is really looking at your heart. He's looking at you. If you. It's really about can you trust him. This is that whole idea of being obedient and surrendering to his way and entrusting that he's got your back. You know, if you really truly believe that he has your back and he's holding you through this, um, along with discipline, oh, absolutely, you, you have got to pray. <laughs> you have got to pray because this is a, it's not easy. It's not easy to do it this way. And, you know, I'll be honest, you know, as I was talking about this topic starting from, you know, several years back, um, I started thinking, you know, I had, I had like a, I, I felt convicted and because I wasn't giving 10%. And I started thinking, I don't remember how it started, but I got convicted one day. And I was like, wait a minute, wait a minute. You know, I'm not even doing 10%. How, how, how the heck am I going to get up there on the pulpit and talk about this? And I'm not doing 10%. And I was doing something, but it wasn't even at that baseline. And so um, I, I almost kind of did it as a test. And I said, okay, this is it. If I'm going to talk about this, I have to put myself you know, at the same level of what I'm saying. And so I, I started doing it and I said, okay, God, you know what? I'm going to do this because I, I want to trust. I want to surrender. I want to obey. And so I started doing it. And, and, the, and, it, and it, it was, and it was at a time where it wasn't like there was excess. There, it was really at a time where it was tight. The money was tight. And I said, okay, you know what? This is really going to require some serious divine intervention. <laughs> and so I did it, but What's interesting is it all worked out, and I think that 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 speaks to the level of like God really giving you what you need and him him kind of revealing to you like you know what I told you you can trust me, nothing is impossible with me, and so as I did that um opportunities popped up um other other things, other speaking engagements, other um opportunities to make money came up. It, but, you know, at the same time, we want to be careful. It's not like God is not a vending machine. You know, it's not like, well, I'm going to do this and I'm going to get this. You know, it's, it doesn't really work like that. It's, it's one of those touchy things where you're just like, no, this is about really showing that you can, you can trust him. And so, um, you know, if, if you're in a situation where, you know, I don't have a lot, you know, budget's tight, then, then yes, go ahead and give some of your time. But, but don't. So you got to be careful where are you using that as an excuse so you don't give the money and just feel that you're trying to justify it by donating and volunteering your time, or is it really that you don't still you, you you're hanging on to the money, you know what I mean? And so I think if you can even just start to learn how to even start with one percent, just get to that point where you are giving back something and not just solely relying on just giving time because I think at some point you do need to 
kind of, you know, start giving back. And, and because again, like I mentioned earlier, it's God doesn't need your money. This is really about you and, and what's in your heart, like you said, about where your treasure lies. Wow. I think, I think that opened up a lot for even me because, I mean, there is sometimes when I do feel, you know, I've been so gun ho about my financial journey that mm-hmm. I I squeeze not to pay that 10% or that percent, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like I'm like, maybe I'll just do this now. But it's fine. You know what? I totally get it. There are times, I get it. There are times when, trust me, um, because I do everything by that percent, and there's times where I'm just like, oh, this is a big yeah. check. Like, yeah. oh, this is like, this hurts. This hurts. <laughs> but then I remember the joyful. I'm like, okay, I'm supposed to be joyfully giving. That's yes. joyful. <laughs> right? Be a joyful giver. I'm like, I'm not feeling so joyful right now. I'm not feeling so right. cheerful right now. Be a cheerful right. giver. Yeah, it's. It, after I've been there, I have been there where I'm just like, okay, and I, I end up just going like, just write the check fast or just, actually, I actually have an app. I actually have this app that I literally uh, just, I um, uh, connected to my church and I just literally just type the, the dollar amount and just hit send. And then I just, uh, I, I just close my eyes, I just type it, I go, just hit the send button so I'm not speaking about it anymore. <laughs> so I, I, I struggle yeah. with that too. I struggle yeah. with that too because it it hurts. It it can uh-huh. feel because you know I know I don't know about you, but in my brain I still think, oh, you know that could be going to that credit card. That could be going yeah. to another program. And it's my yeah, it, it, yeah, I've been there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, see that you know I'm not alone. And don't get me no. wrong, I most most days I you know I just do I do it. You know I just know I gotta do yeah. it. And I just but then there's just those sometimes it when it makes you nervous because mm-hmm. I live I'm just gonna be honest I I I'm not a check to check mentality person but I purposely live check to check because I'm on a journey of say like my kids have college funds already you know I I have a retirement account they have life insurance I have life insurance so I have things that aren't necessity but they are required in my life but you know what I mean so you know people are like well you can just get rid of the savings or you could just get rid of the kids college or whatever you know what I mean and I wouldn't be living I'm like no I'm living check to check on purpose with a cause and I max up as much as I can my debts because I've been on that debt-free journey for five years now and I'm almost done I'm at my last probably oh I'm like you know what I mean? So I was like, I could dial down on the debts. I don't have to overpay as much as I do. But I just feel like that's the requirement. Some months, you know, it's like, whoa, it's kind of tight. I feel, you know, those yeah. like birthdays or Christmas or, you know, mm-hmm. those months where normal people would get uh, tempted to take credit out, which I'm not going to do. But, you know, normal people would be like, oh, I'll just take out some credit for this. You know, I'm not going to do that. So then those months I kind of like, Hmm, maybe I should, could, would have. <laughs> uh-huh. I know. You know. See, that's, that's a great <laughs> testament to you to, that shows, like, you understand the discipline that's required, and you're doing it the right way because it, it does hurt. It's not – I don't think this was meant to be easy, you know, in, in the beginning. And, and But, you know, you're in that, like you said, a journey. 
you're going right. from one place to another, and, the, you know, you, you, we're going to get scriptural. Um, you think about the journey that the Israelites had to do. That was not an easy journey. That thing took over 40 years. <laughs> you, right. know? Like, you know, no journey, you walk, no walk with God is always easy. It's never mm-hmm. smooth. You're going to have valleys. You're going to have mountains. You're going to have flat road. But, but I think that's, I think that's the beauty of it, to, to be able to look back and be like, you know what, at the end of the day, I was obedient. I was, um, I was a good, good and faithful servant, and right. I did what I was supposed to do. And I think, you know, with that kind of discipline, um, I truly believe God does reward you. God does bless you. And I, I believe that, he, you know, because he's seeing where your heart is and what you're doing, Rachel, I think, you know, that's where the blessing comes. Right, right. I agree. I totally agree. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just uh, thank you so much. This time went by so quickly. Can you believe it? It's already, <laughs> it's already yeah. been almost minutes. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> so I love talking to people who are passionate about what they're talking about because they just are filled with the information and it just comes out of them and it's you know what I mean. It's natural. There's no yeah. force. I, I just love it. So I Me just want to ask people, um, what is your one takeaway from this conversation? Like, what do you feel people should think about or consider or do first? Like, what is the one takeaway from this full conversation? I think the one takeaway would be, you know, take a look at where you are at with your money. And, you know, if, if you're a believer, I'll speak, I'll speak to the believers because um, we'll, 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 we'll jump to that spot. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. If, if you're a believer, um, I want to encourage you, you know, Spend some time with God and spend some serious time in prayer and, you know, find people that can be encouraging you to you um, and, you know, start to analyze, you know, who are the people that you're around? Are you around spenders? You have, um, do you have a good, um, you know, a good support system around you that can encourage you on this journey if you want to change your, you know, your money habits or the things that you're doing and, and take a look at where you're at today. And, you know, you're asked yourself, am I, am I, am I being, an obedient servant, and I am I being, you know, obedient in, in, when it comes to my money, and um, am I being disciplined? And if you're not, you know, take a look at your, you know, your your spending and and the way that you're handling your money. And I'm 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 encouraging you to consider, you know, are you giving back what what was God's in the first place? He doesn't need it. it it's he, it's really a matter of you showing where your heart is, and um, you know, it's it's like this switch. I feel like it's the switch that gets flipped on once you understand that concept and learn to, you know, get into that habit of, of um, first fruits and, and giving back. It's, it's this thing that just happens where um, everything flows easier. I feel that there's this flow better and, and you're able to plan it. And so I encourage you that if, if you're not there yet, you know, pray about it, you know, God, ask God to reveal to you, you know, how do I, you know, help me, God, you know, help me, be, you know, help me to surrender to your way and help me to, you know, plan my money better because I, I, I guarantee you, if you feel that it's not working, it's probably because you are, you are still in the world's pattern and you might, you, you might be doing it backwards. So if that hasn't been working for you, you know, I highly encourage you to consider trying it the other way and pray, you know, pray that God reveals to you how you can, you know, pray for discipline and discernment and wisdom and, and, and pray that, you know, he helps you manage your money better and, and try it his way. Wow, that's awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Jennifer, You're for joining so us today. Um, everyone, this is Michelle Speaks, and today we are speaking with Jennifer Fontanella, and we are talking about finance and faith.
Uh, Jennifer, can you tell everyone how they can reach you if they want to talk more about the, more, to, more to you about finance and faith or if they want you to come speak on one of their stages? Sure, definitely. You can reach me online at uh, jenfontanilla.com. That's J-E-N-F-O-N-T-A-N-I-L-L-A.com. Or you can find me on Instagram at jen.fontanilla. And everyone, you know you can uh, text me at 31996 and put in Aura Speaks. That is Aura for Rachel Speaks with an S at 31996. All right, it was nice talking to you all. Glad you listened. Send me your comments, ask me your questions, and I will talk to you soon. Thank you all, and you have a wonderful day. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.